welcome to the third bonus episode of The Modern Extractor. This podcast focuses on the processes, equipment, and science found inside a cannabis extraction laboratory. I'm your host, Jason Showard, and I work professionally in the cannabis extraction field. Season three wrapped up last month after talking to a fantastic lineup of the movers and shakers in the extraction industry. I'm currently in production on season four, which will be launching on October 12th. Yet again, I've got some great guests lined up for you. Just a quick note before I jump into the show, most of you probably heard my announcements that the Modern Extractor teamed up with Mace Media Group as a podcast partner to cover the Extraction Expo here in Los Angeles. I got the ModX listeners hooked up with a discount code that'll get you 50% off admission to the show. We'll be chatting about the expo today on the show, and I'll have more information about those discounted tickets right after the interview. In today's show, we'll be talking about some publications that are bridging the gap between academia and the extraction community. These publications are Terpenes and Testing Magazine and Extraction Magazine. And my guest today is the man in charge of serving up all the great content that you can find inside them. Dr. Jason Lapoy, Editor-in-Chief of Terpenes and Testing and Extraction Magazines. Welcome to The Modern Extractor. Hi, Jason. Uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Excited to have you here today. Where are we talking to you from? Uh, I am in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right. I'm at my home studio here in Los Angeles. Uh, let's get into it. I found that everybody has quite a different path into this crazy industry. Uh, let's take a walk through yours. So how did you get into cannabis and how did that turn into being editor-in-chief for two cannabis science magazines? Yeah, so I, I definitely agree there that uh, people often have uh, very interesting pathways into the industry. So um, when I was in graduate school, um, I went to a school that had a strong agronomy program and I was going for my PhD in analytical chemistry. And a lot of my research regarded evaluating plant chemistry uh, for things like renewable energy applications, biofuels, bio-based materials, things of that nature. That basically led me to doing uh, two different postdoctoral appointments uh, that were affiliated with two national labs, um, both Lawrence Berkeley National Lab and the National Renewable Energy Lab, which is in Golden, Colorado. And this was circa 2014, so uh, the recreational industry was still pretty new to Colorado, uh, and there was a lot of activity there, um, you know, opportunities. And I happened to receive an opportunity to work for a startup company uh, where I would basically be taking my uh, graduate and postdoctoral work and be applying that to instrumentation geared towards the cannabis industry. So uh, I was really eager to see what the industry was all about. I did not have an aversion to cannabis or anything like that. I was I was quite interested in this new burgeoning industry that for somebody with a, a science degree could be super exciting uh, and, and was outlawed for, for so long. And so I'm kind of drawn to that sort of thing. And, and I wanted to try to, you know, at least get my feet wet and see if I, I felt at home. And, and it was a pretty quick uh, realization that I was very at home in, in this industry. And I felt like it was the kind of industry where uh, I could I could apply my education and yet still be myself and have all the passion um, that, that, that I, you know, basically be working with all of this passion that I have uh, for the plant 
um, to try to help understand the mysteries behind the plant, how we can do things more sustainably, uh, things of that nature. Right on. Well, how did that turn into uh, to you editing two science magazines around around cannabis? So fast forward two years, uh, I was no longer associated with that startup company and I moved back home uh, to Pittsburgh. And at the time I was working for uh, a, a laboratory outside of Pittsburgh and they just so happened to be the auditing body for Washington State. And so I started to do some technical audits of Washington State cannabis testing labs to help them, you know, adhere to regulations, be doing, you know, great analytical science. Uh, And I happened to uh, read an article in Terpenes and Testing that I had some issues with. And I reached out to the publishers, uh, Celeste, and I asked if there was any opportunities where I could be engaged with editing or writing or whatever they needed me to do, whether it be on a volunteer basis, you know, or uh, a paid appointment, I was really excited to help educate properly on the plant and the science coming out about the plant and helping to essentially myth bust uh, misconceptions that might be out there in, in this you know, young in industry, essentially. I, I just wanted to make sure that when people are reading something that they could trust it. And so that's how I, I got connected with uh, Mace Media Group. And then I uh, shortly thereafter had the opportunity to be the editor-in-chief of Terpenes and Testing. Uh, I was really excited to do that. And, and then the, the opportunity came up to take on Extraction Magazine as well. That's great. Yeah, there's so much information that gets released that is just false. Uh, and it's it's always frustrating when I'm reading something and I'm I just see it and I'm like, that is that's just wrong. Uh, but I guess with the with the new industry that is uh, at risk of happening. But the downside of that is as soon as something gets released like that, then it kind of gets into the echo chamber and becomes, you know, further and further and further along. To where people start thinking it's it's accurate because so many people have published something along those lines just following somebody else's lead. So people like you getting involved is is huge in my mind. Yeah, and, and I've seen that. I've read recently that fake news travels six times faster on Twitter than real news. And that's I think that's kind of the world that we live in. And so if somebody can go to a source and know, hey, these guys have done their due diligence. Uh, we heavily cite the scientific literature. Uh, we show our references. A lot of sites don't do that. They talk about science. They talk about studies. But you never really have the opportunity to go scope out that study for yourself um, if you're so inclined to do so. Like, that's what we wanted to bring to the table with our content was generating content that, A, all walks of life could get some kind of insight from not just a scientist or not just somebody who's you know heavily engaged in the industry. We wanted the newbie um, because there's a lot of them, right? I mean, states are coming online, you know, seemingly every couple of months you're hearing about another state legalizing medicinally or recreationally. And so there's a lot of opportunities here for people to get involved and because the 
body of educational literature on this plant has traditionally been pretty sparse um, up until legalization efforts and up until when universities would actually have the courage to you know, risk funding and, and actually study the plant, then I, th- I think that, that that's where the educational piece is all the more important. I mean, this is not something that's readily available in, in all kinds of different literature. So we wanted to make sure that we were a source that the scientists could go to, to try to understand something a little bit more about the plant or somebody who's brand new to the industry or maybe wants to try to apply for a license or what have you could read our content and also you know extract knowledge from it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what you guys are doing over there is great. It feels to me like you're kind of bridging the gap between academia and the extraction community. And that is quite a large divide, really. So it's it's nice to have something that's somewhere in the middle there. Let's get into what the magazines are. Break them down for us. What kind of things do you cover in each one of them? For terpenes and testing, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about terpenes. We're talking about horticultural science. Uh, cannabis chemistry, uh, lab testing or analytics. Uh, So those are kind of the core topics. But with the interest, uh, my own and our readers' interest in psychedelics, we've started to cover that content a lot more because, again, this is something that's been extremely ostracized and has been taboo for uh, far too long. And when you start to read some of the scientific literature about people's struggles with depression or addiction basically being alleviated uh, in in some cases after one session with substances like ketamine or psilocybin. It's so powerful in our modern world where things like anxiety, depression, PTSD, addiction are are very pervasive. So we wanted to start to cover that kind of content. Um, You know, cannabis and Pops are cousins, so I'm a big craft beer fan, and it seems like I. a lot of people that are involved in cannabis uh, also have an affinity for hops, and so we started to cover some beer content. Um, terpenes are in you know ubiquitous throughout nature, so we cover really botanical plants in general with a heavy emphasis on cannabis in terpenes and testing. And then likewise for Extraction Magazine, it's again, you know, the, the root is is basically cannabis, but there's extraction methods or, or protocols that are being used for other botanical plants. Uh, one of the beauties of like terpenes, for example, is because they're in all the types of different plants uh, and even some insects and fish and whatnot, uh, those kinds of things have never been illegal to study. So there's a lot of content there and that's that's kind of branched into uh, Extraction Magazine as well because uh, there's a lot of interesting molecules out there that people are trying to get out of waste materials like citrus waste. For example, these could be essential oils like, you know, terpenes, limonene, um, or it could be just an interesting extraction method that maybe could be applied to cannabis, but right now is being applied to hibiscus or something like that. So we, uh, we scour the scientific literature pretty well. We try to highlight some uh, of the archives in the scientific literature, papers maybe that were put out by uh, people that were heavily involved in 
understanding what the psychoactive or intoxicating molecules were, you know, for like THC in cannabis or studies on psilocybin from the 1960s that are just kind of cool to dive into this historical scientific uh, archive. And then we're, we're really passionate about finding current scientific literature that um, might be useful to the industry. And what we try to do is we try to simplify that content. So again, um, I've said it before, and, and, you know, one of my, one of my, I guess, personal heroes or whatever you want to call him um, in life has been Carl Sagan. And he was a master at taking literally uh, astronomic principles and bringing them into everyone's living room to where it was exciting for people to learn about science. It wasn't just for the scientist. And that's what we've really, uh, that's what we strive to do. And so we will take a scientific paper and kind of digest it into a simplified form, a Cliff Notes version, if you will, um, such that people can understand, hey, this is what this paper was saying. Because I've seen all, all, all too often uh, the media, uh, mainstream media, um, will grab a hold of a scientific study and they don't really focus on the key points of the study. They focus on the the doom and gloom or the buzzwords. And when you actually dive into the study a little bit more and you see maybe what the sample size is or who the funding sources are or what the limitations of the study are as described by the authors of that study, it paints a very different uh, picture. And so that's where we try to, you know, bring the, 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 the base of the study into our content. And that's one area that we, we try to get content from. And then another is, you know, reaching out to people in the industry for educational and not marketing content. So something that it describes their expertise, for example, or their process or, you know, a new method, what have you, something like that. Yeah, I'm sure it's not easy to keep coming up with interesting topics that are pertinent month after month after month. So it sounds like you've got a few different methods you use there, and uh, uh, that's great. Uh, I know that myself, I struggle with what you were just discussing about trying to sort between educational content that will be good for the readers or the listeners in my case versus marketing content. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a blurred line sometimes because you're going to be getting a lot of this information from people that have a product to sell. But I, I very often have to, to have the conversation of like, look, this is not a, a long sales pitch. This is to help the, uh, the listeners get better at what they're doing. Uh, so it sounds like we uh, we have a similar struggle in that respect. Um, let's say that someone wanted to go ahead and submit an article or write something for one of your magazines. What does it look like to be able to do something like that? We do get those requests. Uh, often we'll solicit articles, but sometimes people have something already written. So our, our editorial board um, will take a look at the article and we will provide some base comments. Uh, we don't tend to spend too much time editing the whole thing uh, just to make sure that we'll provide some suggested edits just to make sure that the author is cool with that and us maybe pitching a different direction if it is too much on the sales or marketing side. 
that said, if the if the article submitted is is adequate, then we will provide uh, some suggested edits. We'll send it back to the author, um, really regardless of who the author is. And we've been um, we've been complimented for that by the fact that regardless of who the author is, we do suggest edits to make the content better. And then we will go through and make our edits. We will edit for scientific accuracy. We will edit for grammar or punctuation, all that sort of a thing. Uh, we have you know, both myself and my assistant will make copy edits and uh, we'll, we'll add references or we'll request references. For example, if somebody says recent reports say like we actually want to sh- highlight those reports so that somebody could go, you know, for additional reading or fact checking, things like that. We, we do do that. Uh, and I think that that helps us, you know, differentiate um, for, and ensure that the content that we're putting out there is well bolstered by, you know, predominantly the scientific literature. Understood. So is this something where you would prefer to solicit the articles or it is an open uh, scenario where someone could easily somehow contact you and submit something? So on our website, uh, people can submit things. I think the, the, the email addresses are info at extractionmagazine.com and info at terpenesandtesting.com. So there is a spot there where people can view our editorial guidelines and they could, they could certainly submit something. But I would say often, you know, if I were to put some percentages on it, I'd say probably 75% or so or, or more, maybe 80, 85% is solicited. Uh, often with our featured articles online or when we had uh, print and digital magazines, we were definitely soliciting predominantly all of that content uh, with the featured articles that we're running now online. Those are all predominantly solicited by us as well because we have content themes that you know may not be publicized every month um, but they're there and it could be a cultivation theme it could be a terpene theme but then we're reaching out to folks in the industry who we know will um, provide us with a, a good article and an educational piece that you know conveys some kind of, of teaching to the audience so uh, I, I, yeah, I would say it's pro- predominantly solicitation by us. You folks heard it out there first. If you want to turn something in, it better be real good to get on through. Moving on from the magazines, you're also heavily involved with the Extraction Expo, which is coming up here in just a few days. Uh, talk to us about the Expo and what it is and your involvement in it. Okay, so uh, yes, the Extraction Expo is is uh, next week in in Los Angeles, and um, this is our second conference that is extraction themed. Uh, we 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 changed the name of the conference to Extraction Expo. It used to be called Concentration, and the last one we had was in 2019. The one in 2020 was of, of course canceled due to COVID, um, but. My, my role in that is to help uh, plan the program, basically, from a scientific perspective, uh, including sourcing speakers to give solo presentations. Uh, we often have a lot of panels, so helping find panelists and predominantly laying out what those panels are going to be about, you know, writing the summary abstracts for each panel, things like that. So that, that's, that's, that's predominantly where my role is. 
Nice. I'm very excited about the expo myself. Uh, just to clarify, I realized we didn't say it a moment ago. It's going to be September 30th and October 1st at the LAX Hilton in, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, I actually just signed up to moderate the solventless versus solvent-based extraction uh, panel. So I'm nice. excited about that one. I'd probably be attending it even if I wasn't uh, involved in moderating it. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting. Tell us uh, if you could give us a quick rundown of exactly what the Extraction Expo is. How how do you best describe it? So what we wanted to do was have uh, an extraction themed conference because we felt that there was a void in the content. So content for some conferences that are the large, largest conferences um, can be all over the place. And we wanted to have something a little bit more channeled and you know, pun completely intended, we wanted to have it be a little bit more concentrated. So um, we, we really wanted to kind of simplify the content um, to just be an extraction conference and not have a lot of the other stuff that might be at, at other conferences. So um, that said, uh, this conference seeks to bring these kinds of people together. So you have people building extraction equipment, you have people using said extraction equipment, you have people with ancillary equipment, maybe ovens or chillers or bead baths or things of that nature. We wanted to kind of bring all of those folks under one roof for networking, for, you know, generating uh, business plans and, and things like that. So, um, we also uh, recognize, with especially with myself being an analytical chemist, that analytics and data are a part of everything that that um, people are doing and should be doing. So we always will have some type of analytical chemistry track uh, with our panels and or our presentations. Um, you sometimes we'll have uh, with our exhibitors too. There will be a mix of extraction companies, ancillary equipment companies, testing labs. So that's kind of what we sought to do was not necessarily be the largest conference, but be the most impactful from an extraction perspective, and give people a forum for sharing uh, some of the hardcore science that they might be doing uh, for the extraction industry. People could demonstrate. Uh, equipment or, or, you know, things, things like that. So that, that's how I would best summarize it. My first interaction with the, uh, the extraction expo was when it was concentration in 2019 out in Paula. And uh, I can tell you, there's something about the energy where there's just all of these people that are just laser focused on extraction in one place at one time. There's the, uh, you know, the after party with, uh, with some cocktails and some schmoozing and, and, and networking. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good vibe and a good energy. I'm excited for this one for sure. So talking about the speakers and the panels that are happening out there, how do you go about choosing topics for these and choosing the speakers who will be up on stage talking about them? Yeah. So we definitely, um, we definitely have some core mantras that I feel like would always be a part of these conferences because, you know, just like when you talk about elections and there's the so-called issues, like if you go back decades, it's pretty much the same issues. And in that regard, maybe those things are, we're just beating the same drum over and over, but with the, the fast paced evolution of the cannabis industry, 
those core mantras still are very relevant today as they were two years ago or five years ago. And like I said, one of them is data and using data, um, gathering data, which is super important, uh, and then figuring out how to use that data. So we, we have some panels regarding that. Um, if you talk to a uh, uh, hundred different people about what the best extraction techniques are, you might get a hundred different answers. And so, you know, there, there's the big three. And sometimes you'll hear a lot of different uh, opinions or misconceptions about different techniques. And so we want to be able to be discussing those for people that are new to the industry. We're, all, we're constantly trying to be mindful of the fact that while we may feel like in our own content on you know, the terpenes and testing or extraction magazine website, we might feel like we've you know, we no longer need to say what is a terpene or what is CBD. You know, we've, we've established that routinely and we feel that we're more of at a 201 or 301 level to use like collegiate um, language. But we also want to be mindful of the people that are new to the industry that may not already know that stuff, especially in a conference forum. And so we, we try to make sure people understand the real uh the real picture behind the extraction techniques. And one of the main things that we will always discuss is sustainability. And you mentioned the concentration 2019 in Pala. That conference will always be very special to me because it was the first and only time that I was able to meet Frenchie Cannoli. And that experience left a very lasting impression on me. And, you know, I've, I've said recently after his passing that he left me better off than I was. Um, if you go back and listen to Frenchie's keynote, which is on uh, the, the Frenchie Cannoli YouTube channel, you can skip through my 16-minute opening comments and you can go right to Frenchie. And it, the passion and what he was saying um, about sustainability uh, really just not only gave me chills as I was listening to it because I just I just wanted to um, stand up and shout like because it, it just really rang true. The packaging that we're using in the industry, the, the waste, the fact that we have to burn uh, waste and nobody gener uh, nobody benefits from the heat. The fact that people were saying they were growing CBD instead of growing hemp, which prior to the CBD industry still had a wealth of, of different uses. Um, that kind of content is very important to us. And Frenchie expounding this at this conference was, was really exciting and energizing. And I feel like at this point, um, we need to continue on not only with his legacy and his dialogue in that regard, but kind of carry the torch and make sure that if we are growing this plant for medicinal purposes, whether you're using it from a medical market or a rec market, in, in my opinion, it's, it's still medicinal. And I don't know that our earth can take um, another large scale global industry um, with all of the resources and, you know, energy and waste and things like that. So I think that we need to be very mindful of that. And that's, again, another core thing that we try to talk about at these conferences. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there. We have to be very responsible about how we 
move this industry forward and uh, and educate everybody about it. I was uh, I was there for that speech that that Frenchie gave, and uh, he certainly his passion got got everybody very excited about what he had to say. Absolutely. So, what are some examples of talks or panels that you're excited about having at this year's expo? Well, you mentioned the solventless versus solvent debate. Uh, that's always kind of an, a debate. And even amongst the solvent people, there will be a debate. So that I think that makes for an interesting panel And with you moderating it. Uh, best of luck. Uh, so uh, I think that'll be interesting because people have very interesting points regarding, you know, should, should we be doing solventless or uh, you know, the butane people uh, are very passionate about why they use butane, same with CO2 and so forth. Um, we have one that I'm interested in called uh, organoleptic blueprinting. And that's that's a term lifted from uh, my friend Randy Reed, who is also on that panel. And I informed him that I did use his his term because I thought it was so damn cool. Um, and what that what that basically is, is how do you make a product that is pleasing to the end user. So you're kind of designing this product prior to ever even uh, putting together the formulation so that you're not wasting a lot of time and resources. Um, so I'm definitely excited about that one, how people go about making uh, palatable and uh, pleasing edibles and beverages and things of that nature. And, and then John McKay will be uh, one of our keynotes. Um, John is, I, I tell John every time I see him that I could listen to him for days. And uh, John is a, is a good teacher because he is a master at simplifying complex things for the, for the listener. Um, every time I listen to John, I remember very odd lines that he says, and it just sticks with me, his presentations and his, um, his, the way he pitches the, the scientific content, I think is wonderful. So I'm always really excited to hear John. Absolutely. Yeah. I just recently heard him speak, um, at the psychedelic science conference that happened in Denver, also a Mace Media event. And, uh, you know, I, I like to think that I'm uh, pretty well-versed in extraction, and, and he kind of made me cock my head sideways and think a little bit with just something as simple as, uh, I think, in the beginning of, of a, a talk that he was doing about extraction of mushrooms, he said, you know, think about everything you're doing like extraction. Think about making, uh, making coffee in the morning. Try this simple experiment that you can do at home, which is you know, make your coffee like normal, except for after the first cup of water or so has gone through the grounds and into your coffee pot, dump that out, put it in a cup and then put your coffee pot back under there and, uh, and get the rest of it. Now pour that into a cup and taste the two side by side. You're going to have very, very different things extracted when they're first exposed to the hot water. And, and then after it's got a chance to open up a bit and, and be washed of some of that stuff, and you're going to have a different, uh, fraction, if you will, afterwards. So, you know, I mean, I've got a lab where I can go play with a bunch of high-tech equipment. And after hearing this guy talk about something, I, I go home and I'm I'm playing around in the kitchen. It just made me uh, it made me chuckle a little bit as I was uh, as I was going for it, and it's certainly different. Love John. He's a uh, he's great at what he does. Um, talking about stuff that 
you're interested in or excited about, what do you think the most interesting advance that you've seen in extraction technology is in the past year or so? Well, I think that, you know, some of some of what I've seen that's been really exciting is uh, the concept of, you know, when you do CO2 extraction, uh, a lot of people will say, well, you need to do post-processing after that, you need to do winterization. And some folks have been uh, publishing information about inline winterization. So when you look to like really scale extraction, you have to look at a lot of times people will say CO2 is the most expensive and that's definitely true upfront. But if you're planning and being in this industry for a long time, and especially depending on what your scale is, if you start thinking about federal legalization and people having much larger grow houses and extraction needs, you have to look at which of these methods can actually scale to that level. And with CO2 extraction, given that it's a green solvent, which hits the sustainability box, um, you can do the concept of being able to do winterization without ethanol and just using CO2, I think is pretty exciting. Um, I would say that the other things that I've seen is there's some cool uh, supplementary techniques such as ultrasound assisted extraction. I've started to see that more when we're discussing extraction of psilocybin and psilocin from psychedelic mushrooms. So I, I, I like that. I like to see that now that we're kind of embracing psychedelics as something that I don't want to say it could be the next cannabis, but the fact that, you know, for example, in Canada, you can already buy commercially available uh, psilocybin extract edibles and things like that. Um, those, those are those are extracts. And I think that that the, the extraction community kind of now migrating into that space is really exciting. And I'm really interested to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I'm excited for that as well. I think it's going to be quite an interesting um, integration, if you will, because it is certainly not going to be the next cannabis. And anybody that I talk to that thinks that that's the way to approach it makes me very nervous because this is something that's far, far more powerful than uh than, than cannabis as far as the effects that it has on your mind. You know, I think it's got great things to offer, but it is, it is something to be approached with, uh, you know, with some care a little bit more so than cannabis. So I'm hoping that people will, will do that with care and with the right intentions. Um, but moving on from that, what do you think the most interesting advance that you've seen in testing technology is over the past year or so? Oh, that's a good question. So I think that one of the things that uh, I've seen some places doing is uh, trying to figure out what specific molecules in a specific, you know, a given cannabis cultivars, essential oil uh, lead to the trademark characteristics of that essential oil. So for example, you know, in Pennsylvania, we, uh, the, state has required grower processors to label products with terpenes. To my knowledge, um, and, and I'd be happy to hear otherwise, honestly, uh, I knew of two states that it, where it was required to put terpenes on products, which were Nevada and Pennsylvania. Um, hopefully other states do it, other companies do it 
as as a matter of you know sharing that with their their customers but some companies have sought to even even if you do have terpenes on the label just because they're the seven most dominant doesn't mean that those are the ones that really uh create the loudness of that terpene profile and so uh, some companies have sought to figure out what molecules specifically are, um, are are present, you know, much lower concentration molecules. And they've turned to things like two-dimensional gas chromatography to do so. Um, other companies have started to bring in a wealth of instrumentation uh, to evaluate structures. There's a lot of isomers being discussed with cannabis um, for, for, for good or ill. And there, I, one system that I really was intrigued to see was a benchtop nuclear magnetic uh, resonance spectrometer from a company called Nanalysis. And at the time, um, they did a webinar with us uh, earlier in the year, maybe January of, of this year, and they were focused on predominantly THC and CBD. But when I would audit labs or talk to analytical scientists in the industry, NMR was kind of a holy grail for, for a lot of people, again, because of structural, uh, the desire to have structural elucidation of this, this wealth of molecules in the plant. And so um, that kind of technology, taking something that was usually pretty much out of reach of most people outside of universities and very sophisticated research labs and bringing it into the cannabis lab, I thought was pretty exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. With, with NMR specifically, uh, just to make sure that I understand correctly, that's something that you would use more for identification as opposed to quantification, correct? Traditionally, yes. Um, but you can do quantification from that as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see where that goes. Speaking of excited, what, uh, what excites you the most, uh, as far as the future of the extraction industry goes? Well, I mean, like I said, I think for, for me right now, you know, I, I, I think that with cannabis extraction, there, there's, there's the, the, the products that you see now. Um, I think where I get most excited about the future is, A, how we can do this to, in a sustainable way. How, even regardless of what technique you're using, how you can really augment the sustainability with, within that domain. Um, so I think that's going to be important, you know, whether you're doing butane extraction or ethanol or CO2 or insert whatever type of extraction you're doing. I think that that sustainability uh, mantra is, again, going to be something that is, is for us to behold, um, implement and, and cherish. And I think that the other um, angle that I'm really excited about is, like I said, the, the, the fact that now, um, you know, I, part of my excitement is the fact that I, I read Terrence McKenna's Food of the Gods this year. And since I've read that book, it's really, I really thought it was a powerful uh, statement. And I, it's been interesting to kind of see the, the mushroom culture coming back into the fray and, and be resurrected in, in, you know, kind of paralleling cannabis, two very ancient plants that humans have used for, for so long, coming back into modern society and how we can apply modern technology to that ancient plant, I think is, is pretty exciting. And, and so I, I'm interested to see how that plays out with, with mushroom extraction. 
Absolutely. I'm really excited to see where that goes as well. I think it's got great, great potential to help people. Um, and, uh, you know, I, ho- I hope that it's treated respectfully, but it's definitely got incredible potential. So if people want to reach out and get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? I've got two very simple email addresses, jason at terpenesandtesting.com and jason at extractionmagazine.com. Well, that's an easy one to remember. Dr. Jason Lapoy, Editor-in-Chief of Extraction Magazine and Terpenes and Testing Magazines. Thanks for joining us on The Modern Extractor. Thank you as well. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you uh, about things that I'm passionate about, and I look forward to doing so again sometime. As do I. All right. Thanks again to Dr. Lapoy for joining us today. You can reach out to him directly via either of his two very simple email addresses, jason at terpenesandtesting.com or jason at extractionmagazine.com. As you heard during the interview, the Extraction Expo is coming up this week. Come check it out September 30th and October 1st at the LAX Hilton in Los Angeles. This year's lineup of speakers and panels is full of brilliant minds from our industry, and there will be some fantastic topics covered. I'll be moderating the Solvent versus Solventless panel on Friday the 1st, so don't miss that one. Definitely come by and shake my hand at the Modern Extractor booth. I'm number 41. I'll be set up to record interviews with speakers and exhibitors and attendees right there on the show floor. If for some reason you can't make it out to the show, keep an eye on the Modern Extractor Instagram because we'll also be live streaming those interviews to IG Live. Head on over to extractionexpo.net for more information or tickets to the show. When you go to purchase those tickets, don't forget to enter our promo code MODX for 50% off. That's M-O-D-E-X, no spaces. I'll see you there. Stay tuned for the launch of Season 4 on Tuesday, October 12th. We've got another great lineup of folks that are making things happen in the extraction and cannabis lab science space. If you're digging what I'm doing here on The Modern Extractor, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave me a review on Apple or Google Podcasts. The more great ratings and reviews that you guys hook me up with, the better guests I can keep hooking you up with here in the future. Thank you in advance. A big thanks goes out to Isada Venegas for handling business on the show's social media, and a shout out to the new fools for bringing the funk to the Mod X theme song. Thanks again to everybody for tuning into The Modern Extractor. Season 4 is out October 12th. I'm Jason Showered. Let's talk soon. Yeah.